There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, and welcome to Dr. Giles Yo Choose the Fat with, unsurprisingly, me, Giles Yo. I'm fairly predictable. You'll generally be able to find me either teaching biochemistry to medical students or cooking up some Kung Pao chicken with rice. Personally and professionally, I like to understand the relationship our bodies have with food, why some of us are just more hungry than others, why we might crave certain flavors, and why some people are more susceptible to diseases like diabetes than others. So far, we've investigated parts of our body, including the brain and our genes. Today, we're examining the gut with Lisa and Alana McFarlane. We always thought of diet and nutrition as something that we did two weeks before we went on holiday. And we very much thought of it as the outside in rather than the inside out. And I think it completely changed the way we even thought about the word diet and thought about our health and started thinking about our health in a preventative way. Lisa and Alana used to be known as the Mac Twins. They were globe-trotting DJs living a pretty hedonistic lifestyle. Now they're the founders of The Gut Stuff, a platform that aims to empower all of us to understand our gut health and what effect it has on the rest of our body, and our mind for that matter. So the twins have a gut diary. You can get yourself one if you want. That helps you tune in to markers of a healthy gut. Things like how long you've slept for, your water intake, and a really important one, making sure you're getting enough fiber. Here in the UK, we eat on average 16 grams of fiber a day, and I'm probably about average. We need, however, to be getting closer to 30 grams of fiber a day. Fiber is crucial for gut health and for the health of the bacterial denizens in our gut, and hence for our overall health and well-being. The saying, eat a rainbow, is a good place to start. Okay, let's get into more of this good gut stuff then. I, of course, had to start by asking Lisa and Alana how on earth they went from being DJs who, with the best will in the world, didn't give their health or wellness a second thought to being gut aficionados. Very randomly. Um, <laughs> actually, in retrospect, I was supposed to do medicine at uni and Alana was supposed to do business and law and then we went off to dance and drama school. So retrospectively, it's kind of come round, um, but it was like a, yeah yellow brick road style random journey there and um, basically we yeah we're DJs so we did everything from yeah we were on one extra and then Virgin Radio and then we were the official DJs for Love Island touring the world living a fairly hedonistic lifestyle but I guess prior to that you know we're from working class Scotland we were brought up on deep fried pizza and chips and 10 Lambert and Butler for lunch but 
Alana actually had, we had completely different health pathways growing up as a kind of prelude. So Alana had arthritis when we were younger and the doctors mm-hmm. couldn't, and consultants couldn't work out why, because I didn't. So they knew it wasn't hereditary, but they thought it might be viral, but they couldn't really work it out. Can I just check as a, as a personal question, what kind of, uh, uh, I'm not a doctor, but I'm interested, r- rheumatoid or osteoarthritis? A juvenile chronic arthritis. So on the inflammatory side. Um, ah. So yeah I, I, yeah, I had that when I was seven. It just baffled the doctors as to why Lisa wasn't showing symptoms as well. So yeah, it was, you know, quite a shock when I got diagnosed because I was a very active young child. And yeah, I guess sort of never really got discharged from, from that. I just sort of learned to cope with the symptoms. So yeah, just fascinating. And, and Lisa still at 33 still hasn't had any symptoms. So, But I did get really bad acne. So, and I want I didn't. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> but yeah, so... When we were kind of living this lifestyle, had re- you know, nutrition wasn't really on our radar. We used to do like the cabbage soup diet before a holiday. Like it just was not within our world. Well-being definitely wasn't on our radar. But we volunteer for twin research um, under Tim Spector, um, mainly to find out physiologically what's different between us because everyone you know wants to compare us aesthetically and how we look and our personalities but actually we were really interested in uh, we lived together we still had different health pathways we then lived apart for five years and we were just really interested in how our bodies were so different I was a stone heavier for example even when we ate the same and, and went through the same experiments so Tim was like the American gut project has just happened and we were like what what is that so he was like this is new th- you know this is new technology we can sequence microbiome etc etc um so he was like do you guys want to be the first set of twins uh, you could be part of the Merrin gut project obviously from the uk and we were like yeah of course tim but what do we have to do and he was like um you have to send your poo off in the post every day for two months and we we're like yeah cool I- i'm down with that i think at the time we were on tour as well so we were like do we just send it physically in a post box because we're going to be <laughs> different places or what do we actually do yeah and he was like so you'll have to go on like uh, they were looking obviously at how nutrition altered or affected your microbiome and he was like is there a month of the year where you're only eating processed food and drinking alcohol and we were like yep the Edinburgh Festival <laughs> uh, so we were doing a show at the festival at the time and he was like we had to obviously eat the same food so we drank cider and ate chips for a month and then went on the Mediterranean diet for the second month. And we had to have a couple of colonoscopies as well. Didn't know how invasive they were until we signed the waiver form. And I was like, oh, wow. Always read the the waiver. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Read the small print. I didn't even realise at waiver form stage, I only realised when there was a camera up my bum and I was chatting to the doctor and I was like, Oh, that's what it is. Cool. Anyway, fast forward, long story short, we did all that experiment. And at any point, we only had around 30 to 40% the same gut bacteria, which, you know, personally blew our minds because if we can't be sold the same diet, no one can. And secondly, we found really empowering because we could actually alter and change the makeup of our microbiome within a number of weeks. The whole thing fascinates me. But what fascinates me the most, being a geneticist, so so putting my nerd, nerd hat on, is when you can share all of your genes, your genetic clones of each other, pretty much. Uh, you sound the same, okay? You, you, you know, clearly have the same intonation. Your characteristics look the same. But yet, biologically, you can be so, you, you, you can be so different. When you found out about this 30 
only of your of your gut uh, microbiome, which we now know actually that is the heritability. Because I think you were probably in that first publication, which I read from from Spectre and and their colleagues, that heritability. So this is the percentage of a given trait that's down to your genes of of the gut bacteria was only around thirty to forty percent. So a, what did you think about that? And b, what is your understanding about why that might be the case now? Just just anecdotally, to be honest, it absolutely blew our minds. And we forever, for our whole 33 years of existence, were always trying to find out what was different between us. You know, from a very young age, what separated us and what. And to actually find something that, you know, was scientifically proven, we were like, brilliant. But even like, so I'm having a baby in September and Lisa always jokes that it's her baby because genetically, half of <laughs> it will be. Is that true? Giles, is that true? That's what I was going to ask you. Is it half my baby as well? Well, genetically, yes. Because in other words, if you actually went and did a and did a, a, a parental test, so someone, you know, you uh, if you if you commit a crime, okay, mm-hmm. or, or someone, or you, you you know, yes, genetically, you wouldn't be able to tell yourself apart um, in in the baby. Correct. Obviously, biologically, not true. Mad. So my husband's always like, that, that's mental. Please don't say that. It's really weird. And I'm like, well, at least their microbiome will be different because she'll get that from me and it won't be Lisa. So at least there's something in there that it, that it does. <laughs> yeah, the, herit- the heritability thing is quite interesting because it's something, it's a question that we continually asked ourselves growing up, um, you know, not just in terms of health, but we are mirror twins and Alana and I's personalities are exactly the opposite. So Alana's a steady Eddie <laughs> and my, I'm kind of more highs and lows. I am like, our brains are exact opposite. Alana is logic, numbers, binary thinking, and I am creative and um, see the gray areas. And yeah, and I guess the kind of, catalyst for all that was Alana being ill because you know obviously personally it was a big shift in our relationship and the family structure because you really weren't well for um it was quite it was debilitating at the time and you know the background that we're from we had never you know health is just not being ill and well-being is something that Gwyneth Paltrow talks about (laughs) and actually I think it was there that we you know it was all these kind of touch points in our life that we were like a lot of these things people have control over and I guess your your microbiome and how that's shaped yes heritability is one thing but regardless of your background you have control over how that modulates and changes hopefully and that was something you know coming from where we're from that was was actually really empowering for us and took us on the same journey as kind of we were going for through for our career and it was like all of these tools in our armory that yeah, and, you know, our dad died of a heart attack in his 50s. And again, that kind of, you know, change in mortality and what can we do to change our lives was all these kind of mini catalysts that, that came up towards sending our poo off every day for two months. No, that's, I mean, the, the, thing, the thing about a microbiome has always... Has, in fact, let's let's stop for a second. We're using we're using all kinds of nomenclature here, ladies. <laughs> uh, so, so why don't we go go back to basics, and then we can come back and talk about your microbiome. Mm-hmm. But what is the gut microbiome? There are many other microbiomes, but what is the gut microbiome? So essentially, it's like another ecosystem that lives in around and on us. So bacteria, fungi, viruses, all these things, as I said, live in around and on us. As, as Giles alluded to, there is a skin microbiome, the oral microbiome. But the reason that we talk about it in the context context of gut health mostly is because most of them live in our large intestine and they're super clever like we couldn't do much without them it's changed over the course of the past five years even since we've been looking at it in terms of how they outnumber our human cells but I think it's currently one to 1.3 ish it, it is it is yeah it's that it's because people used to say it's 10 times but actually the number is about it's almost one to one 1.3 
one to one point three is actually right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank. This is like the best class ever. And, and and it's also and what's also interesting is how they get in you to begin with. And I had an interview. Okay, with a lady, a scientist in New Jersey, who was studying the effects of vaginal birth versus cesarean birth on the microbiome. And, you know, she had loads of studies to show how cesarean birth kids had slightly more susceptibility to, to, to a number of di different diseases. And so she was doing the study, and this one just, just got me slightly spooked out, where what happens is after cesarean births, in order to try and see what happens, she would then take a swab from the mother's <clears throat> and, and uh, with, with a cloth and rub it all over the baby's face. I was going... Dude, what? In order to try and get, because you come out, I believe that the baby comes out with zero bacteria in, in, in the gut. They're completely sterile, so, so to speak. And it's this birthing initial stage that actually seeds the gut. Do you know, it's something actually that we struggle to talk about as a platform because it can be quite polarizing in people's opinions and you don't want to guilt mothers into whatever. No, no, no. And that's like, exactly. But it's so funny. Like, I'm like, what have we turned into? Because every friend that's pregnant now, we're like, are you getting a vaginal swab? And I'm like, who, who am I? And I think that the way that you can, I don't know, salve mothers that potentially had to or chose to give, give birth is that you can still change and alter their microbiome up to a certain age. So there's, you know, there's ways that we, you can change it. But yeah, it's fascinating. And um, Alana has been reading up all about it since. <laughs> what are you going to do, Alana, in a week after have a severe cesarean? You'll be right there with the cotton wool at the swab. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I, but, you know, we're still a bit far behind. You know, when I've mentioned it to a few other friends that are pregnant or my midwife or, or anything like that, they're a bit like, it's still, it's quite forward thinking, actually. You know, it's not, as readily available as as you would hope but yeah it's a fascinating it isn't because this was this is still a trial thing i mean they were this is not like normal practice and this was just part part of the part of the trial and and uh, i remember the scientist telling me that you know the mothers get a bit spooked because you go out to the mother to to recruit them right it says look you you're gonna need a cesarean because of this that and the other so we recommend doing this and and the number of she says the number of looks they kind of give you what excuse me what what, what you're talking about yeah. and um <laughs> but I think it also really highlights how little we know. I think we're, we're knowing more and more about the gut microbiome, but how little we know about it. So just classically, so I'm ethnically, I am Chinese, so East, East, East Asian. But I, I guarantee you that my gut microbiome is going to be so completely different from an equivalent me living in China somewhere, in Shanghai, A, of where we live, but primarily because I, I think that my, our diets are going to be so so different. That's why it's so interesting with twins as well, of or twins that are living in different areas, different like you know, different bits of the world, and even like you know, we've heard something that you can change it so quickly. And like we went actually, one of the first things we did was we spoke to like a cheesemonger about <laughs> cheese and where cheese was made. Because I think cheese is a really good example of. You know where you grow and where it has so much different. Is it the terroir? Terroir. terroir? Yes, 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 yes. Cheese and wine. Both of them have the terroir. Cheese yeah. and wine. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was just quite a good, really tangible example to explain mm. it to people. Um, I'm gonna steal that. That's an interesting point. So now, this, so your terroir is is going to influence your. Uh, microbiome. Your flavor, your personality. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that 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 makes this could be exactly the same grape. Exact. At the end of mm -hmm. the day, cheese is off milk, uh, uh, you know, and yeah, they all taste so yeah, very good. Yeah, I'm writing yeah. it down. Thank you. But I think the thing that people find most difficult, and it's sort of like to your point about the swabs, is 
explain the nuances of science because I think that people think science oh yeah binary there's my answer bye and I think with nutrition it's particularly prevalent with that yes and I think that's the most difficult thing to say to people because as soon as it is commercialized and or in the press there is a stance there and it's explaining to people that you know empower yourself with the knowledge to make your own decision off the back of that because people ask me people ask me microbiome microbiome i hear about the microbiome is it good science or bad science like there is a binary i said it's it's new science Mm -hmm. i I say we got so much more about it some things are going to be overstated some things we have no idea about it's new science and it's going to change what i say now could be completely different tomorrow depending on what new evidence emerges yeah absolutely And, and you know we've seen that with probiotics People are, it was like, oh, yeah, 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 they're great. And then the BBC was like, no, 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 they're not. And everyone's like, oh, they don't make it out the end. And you're like, well, yeah, they're not going it. And that's because people didn't grasp the science of their transient. So that's why. And it, it's kind of like this big pendulum swimming swing of you're right, you're wrong. And that's the same thing that happens with fad diets is like things come into fashion and trends. I just think the first rung in the ladder has to be teaching people that as you say, things will change. There's no absolute. But isn't it brilliant that we have access to all this knowledge early doors? Actually, what's interesting is I attended uh, a scientific meeting in which representatives from Yakult were there, other probiotic drinks. <laughs> and I asked, and I asked the Yakult person, because this is, you know, I didn't ask in any, just asked the question. I said, look, what are your, co- the CFUs, colony forming units? Okay, so the number of bugs, you know, how much do you have to jam into Yakult for it to for some of it to actually make out make it through the stomach and the answer so i have an answer mm-hmm. the answer is 64 billion colony forming units per mil so the, what yakult had is a minimum of 64 billion uh, bugs per mil mm-hmm. to ensure that a few make it past the stomach so so they and i believe them they're not going to tell me a lie in this because it was a scientific meeting and so so i do think some of the the, the probiotics actually function as they describe because some of them manage i don't know these are super bugs or something manage to make it past the ph 1.5 of the stomach in order to go into our gut and actually continue seeding stuff that is there yeah absolutely and i think the problem like the main problem that we have with probiotics is people treat them like a magic pill rather than any other supplement. And I think that puts a pressure on them that's actually potentially, you know, unfair and confusing to the consumers. And it's like the CFU conversation, like people are still getting to grips with what a probiotic is. And then they see all this package like one billion trillion squillion cultures and X CFU. And you're like, oh, wow, like what is all that? And I think boiling it down again to say to the person, why do you think you need a probiotic? Because there's excellent studies around things like traveler's diarrhea, for example. If you are looking for a specific issue or a symptom, then we're like, go to PubMed. Unfortunately, it's not a guide to London pubs, but type the strain in there and you'll see which studies have been done around that particular stream if you do want to spend your money on it. But otherwise, you know, if you take it and it makes you feel better and you're throwing lots of shit at the wall, then great. But it's like people kind of want it to... To me, to, to, to diagnose something, they want an answer where an yeah. un- where at least a 100% answer is never going to be available. Well, it's like, it's like if Lisa and I with the same genes took a probiotic, we would react completely differently. It's like we did a personalised nutrition study recently and, you know, we spiked it. Our blood glucose levels spiked at complete opposite things. But for... A, 
a marketing or a consumer driven brand or business that doesn't sell does it you know what works for me might not work for you and what is too ambiguous and, and that's a problem we have I think when it comes to diet and nutrition is that's why we we are being sold one size fits all models but they're they're damaging and they're they're not correct here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So you obviously went through um, the, the going, going back to the beginning of your story where you said that you sent in multiple poop samples. So this is an interesting question because I've not met people who've had multiple, who've had a series of, of poop <laughs> samples measured before. How quickly, when you move from your DJ diet to the Mediterranean diet, uh, how, how quickly did your, did your microbiome change? Was it measurably changed? It, this curve was curvy it was a steep curve really? in terms of diversity yeah i'm gonna actually we i'm gonna get we've got all the raw data i'm gonna get it out and have another look at it one day on a rainy day um but yeah and that wasn't even that was just through like fiber increase yeah it was it was a steep curve from memory and you know anecdotally we felt a million times better after about two or three days and um, we were having to take we were having to take painkillers from the pain of having like processed foods and alcohol and the Edinburgh Festival. Um, but and actually, you know, we we were doing we were DJing during the day for Tia Maria and having these uh, milkshakes. You remember on it was like it was Tia Maria milkshakes during the day. Tia Maria, the alcoholic drink. Yeah. Oh, okay. And right. then we were doing a DJ, we had like our own like video game DJ battle show that we were on stage at one a.m. and we would have Red Bulls to get us through that and. The, I mean, the stomachs were not in a good way. Uh, yeah, it was not. Uh, it was not good, and I think you know that as well made us see the kind of lifestyle that we had growing up um, and, and what we live now. Actually, that that shift happened, and we felt better in two or three days. And it was something as simple as fiber. Yeah, we always thought of diet and nutrition as something that we did two weeks before we went on holiday and we very much thought of it as the outside in rather than the inside out and I think it completely you know 180 degree changed the way we we saw the word even thought about the word diet and thought about our health and started thinking about our health in a preventative way 
just having the power that we they knew we could change that that wasn't something to do with scales which that's what we had been brought up with about how health was measured was how much we weighed and also like ironically people get it with heart health the link between heart health and nutrition people get it but the link between nutrition and gut health which seems far more obvious people find it difficult to wrap their heads around like what you put in your body could potentially make you feel better could affect x y and z and it's just strange that there's a there's a barrier there I mean, there was there was a time when I went, and this is one once again for another uh, for trust me, my doctor, which is which is a, a, a program I did previously. I went on a vegan diet, okay, or plant based plant based diet. I was asked to I was asked to say um, was plant based diet healthier per se. So this was the question that I was doing, and so obviously then I went on lentils and all kinds of. I've never had so much fiber in my entire life, and obviously aside from the jet propulsion that happens after <laughs> after you actually after you actually had that. <laughs> Then I ended up the month and then I moved back to my diet almost immediately because I was missing, I was missing meat, I was mi- mi- missing what have you. And so I almost went on some kind of debauched weekend um, 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 thing after a month of eating fiber. I can tell you something, my gut, and then this is food I normally ate before, right? My, my, my gut microbiome went on strike, I think. Uh, um, I, I, they, I knew about it and it was very, very, and you're right, this was only a month and suddenly the things changed. But a, a question for you about whether or not you you know this and i'm asking actually a little bit out of um, ignorance as well how stable are some of these changes so in other words can you permanently either make it better or damage in inverted commas your gut microbiome what do you guys know about that so tim's got quite a good example of this when he put his son on the mcdonald's diet and apparently it was a couple years later and his microbiome still hadn't recovered Ah. his son so that's probably like the best example i have but you know it's hard as well because it is probably different for everyone and i guess it depends because we say we ask that question all the time like could you change it in a day and it's like well it depends how extreme it is and it depends you know what the rainforest looks like it's kind of like leaky gut is another thing like gut permeability that people like how long will it take me to repair my gut blah blah blah. and i'm like it's supposed to be permeable stuff's supposed to come in and out this is <laughs> so, so this is this is the other thing actually where where um gluten free all right uh, okay le- leaving aside celiacs le- leaving aside celiacs and and people gluten intolerance is that there is a s- side of the market uh, a side of people the nutritional market which says that gluten free is automatically healthier for you because gluten makes your gut leaky yeah, th- th- share your thoughts on that ladies it's the same you know gluten and dairy same it's just, you know it's treated the same everyone's like but I stopped it and it made me feel better or I've done this or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, but you stopped it. It made you feel better. Then you stopped it for ages and you've lost the ability to digest it. So that's when you, why you have it again, you don't feel great. You know, trying to explain that to people, it's mostly because they've taken tests that have told them, a very expensive tests that have told them they very have to Very expensive genetic tests. Genetic which- tests. Which tell you nothing. Well, yeah. they tell you something, but whether or not they mean anything is another thing yeah. entirely. And yeah, and exactly. If Alana and I did it, we'd probably get the same results. And we've seen that that's not the case. Um, and they're being told to cut out daily gluten, fun, alcohol. <laughs> and it's, um, you know, it really affects people's relationship with food. And yeah, the gluten thing is interesting. And I think inflammation is something people are like oh, you can't you know inflammation that's wrong that's this and I think that that's it and that is just a lack of knowledge rather than which of course is absolutely fine like that was us but the problem is is when it's commercialized off the back of it because it's like actually 
people that are like 0.01% of the pop of the oh, UK. 1%. 1%. 1%. Of the, 1% of the speech. In terms of companies and brands, they don't want to market to 1%. They want to market to as many people as possible. So they're going to try and say that because, you know, and I think that that's what we have to unpick. And, you know, if someone stops taking gluten, it makes them feel better, great. But secondly, I think it is by way of identity, like people are starting to use food and diets by way of identity and like tribes if you like so you know I'm not sure what that the reasoning for that is is it that schools aren't as disciplined is it that people aren't as religious like I don't know like if people want to be part of a tribe but I think the nutritional reasons or the choices for that become very blurred when you use it as a sense of identity and I get it if it's a sense of community, for example, you know, for people that are celiac or have digestive issues, I completely am on board with that. That's one of the reasons that we, we set up the company. But I think that there's so many different factors and reasons as to why people are getting confused and gluten feels like the pinnacle of that. So now you guys have become, if you forgive me for, for, for telling you this, uh, uh, the, the poster girls of poo. It says, it says that I don't know. Maybe that should be your next album cover. But we post the girls of poo. So, so yeah. Now you've got adverts all over London. You you know, asking people how they poo. Now poo is it's it's fine. You can talk about it to your kids. Have you had a poo yet? <laughs> uh, but in polite society, one does not tend to talk about poo. So tell us about this um uh, about this initiative. Why are you asking people how they poo? Well, I guess it grabs people's attention because people don't want to talk about it. But we actually did a. We did a talk with Bodyform about the kind of last taboos that we have left. And it was interesting, actually, that taking it back like out of gut health and into that context, because when do we lose that conversation? As you say, if puppies and children, that's all we focus on. And we use it as quite a strong indication of their health or how they're feeling. And we've lost that and why. And I guess it's a sort of sliding scale of more seriously things like bowel cancer, but also if you go to your GP or digestive issue, that's the first question they're going to ask you. And not many people know. They're like, even if before someone had asked me when was the last time we did a poo, I'd be like, oh, I don't know, like two days ago. And we realised that it was actually the thing once the floodgates were open that people asked us the most. So we used to come out of DJ gigs and go to the toilet and people be like, hi, um, I've, I've seen the gut stuff. Um, I've not pooed for three days. Is that normal? And it was like the <laughs> thing that once you talked about it, that was like, I was like, people used to ask us about if I could play a song, but now it's just about their bowel habits, which is absolutely fine. We're more than happy to do it. Um, but I think that that stigma on the bridge was... It's a good way to raise awareness about gut health in general because people just need to tune in a bit more, I think. And secondly, you know, if people are going to their GP with a digestive issue, it's quite a good tool to have in your armory, a good vocabulary to have with a stool chart to say, you know, what's normal for me? And then lastly, it's that final piece of empowering yourself because Alana and I don't poo at the same time every day and it's really everyone's normal and very common is different. So that was the kind of final thing it's like actually empowering you to to take on the knowledge yourself and not just because everyone's like how many a day how many should i do a day is it one a day one good poo in the morning i'm like well you know what's what's not your normal isn't necessarily mine and we just went bold and put it on bus stops in london <laughs> and, and is this this is part of the, the broader uh, initiative to try and get people to populate this gut stuff food diary that that you guys have going on yeah and like not even 
just the diaries and writing it down. It's more just like generally not looking to other people or one other person or someone that you follow on Instagram for the answer. I think part of that is we really tune into ourselves um, unless we're kind of hungover or ill. <laughs> and I think if we are starting to look towards a future of preventative healthcare and younger people empowering themselves uh, with their health, that's the first step, I would say, is being able to kind of work out for yourself or, you know, not Dr. Google self-diagnose, but just writing down, you know, what you're eating, if you have any symptoms, how you feel, um, can make you see patterns that when you're running about your everyday life, you you wouldn't. I guess as well, it's sort of like, you know, if our behaviours can be changed, then anyone's can. You know, I think that's definitely the journey that we went on going through the experiments and the science and being part of the studies was initially it was here's the facts here's the science you know what biologically is my gut because historically we just thought it was just our stomachs or our beer bellies you know didn't little did we know that it was everything from mouth to bum so you know empowering yourself with the science and and the facts and keeping up to date with it as well as we mentioned before is key second tuning in realizing that we're all different and then you can start to think about fiber and variety and you know so but i think because it's so complex and personalized it really does have to be sort of that journey can i ask a question about how you guys have eaten during lockdown did it change from from i know you guys are, are are gut aficionados but did it change during lockdown how did you eat during lockdown healthier worse what was your feeling yeah i mean much better i think i think you know we were very guilty we live very busy lives and we were very guilty of grabbing a sandwich on the go and it wasn't even not so much about what we were eating it's how we were eating and sleep and exercise and you know everything that comes to us because I think when we think about gut health we automatically go to nutrition and diet but actually you know we really have to start focusing on that that sort of 360 picture and everything else and actually I think it's just helped us what lockdown did look the first lockdown was slightly different because I think we did drink a lot didn't we Lisa <laughs> yeah. it was more like all of us did all of us did um, I think that was a sort of universal coping mechanism which yeah, was, was like oh Boris is on at four o'clock gin it's time for a glass of wine but I think it has helped me. I'm not a good cook, so it's helped me cook a lot more from scratch and and fresh and do a big shop instead of just grabbing stuff. I think we, it's helped us get into a really good sleep pattern, which we've never had. We never had in our 20s being DJs. I think, you know, nine ten o'clock now in our beds. <laughs> we are. Leaving the party life. Yeah. Woo. We do. And we get up at six and get on our spin bikes together with some of the rest of our team. So in terms of exercise, we've really got into a routine. That. So I think it has done done wonders for us i think we're probably guilty of not getting out in nature enough being quite sedentary through the day so i think um and not hydrating enough either i think you know pre-lockdown we were on the go we'd have our water bottles and i think it is more difficult to do that when you're just in the house but i i think it has been good for our overall health in that sense so i guess Guys, simply, what would you kind of advise someone? Because, you know, they're going to end up at a supermarket, the grocery store that says, well, what am I supposed to do to improve my gut health? What, what would you say? So I would say choose a fruit or veg or nuts and seeds, plant-based stuff that you haven't had before and try and incorporate new things. Because the good thing about that is that you're up in your fibre count. We should be getting here in the UK around 30 grams a day, which is a really high number to hit when you think a portion of broccoli is only 2.5 grams. I don't I don't think we, we uh, any of us, any come anywhere close no, to that. No, it's massive and you've got to really work at it. <laughs> try something else. Grab a like mixed bag of nuts and seeds. You can sprinkle that over salads or soups. And variety is something, you know... The um, American Gut Project, this is something that actually came out of it, about that plant-based number 30 
different types a week is what we should be aiming for which you know Alan and I when we came to London we didn't even know what an avocado was like we are not from this world right but when you uh, we've got all the hacks like green pepper yellow pepper red pepper um all count as different ones and yeah sprinkling different nuts and seeds and um, so yeah that would be like our first protocol because then it gets your fiber count up and it's getting you trying new things um, and I think that's why it's good for like veg boxes that you can get delivered to your house because you don't know what's coming so you get a bit of a surprise like I never knew what collard greens were and I get them all the time now <laughs> and then olive oil and salt is your friend and the oven is your friend and we don't know what they are or what to do with them I think as well like at the guts off we're all about being affordable and accessible for everyone because I think when people think gut health they think a magic pill that's going to cost thousands of pounds and it's definitely not about that so my go-to is the discount bit in the fruit and veg aisle because you'll always find something that you've probably never had before it'll be hopefully you know in season and it will be it'll be discounted so make a beeline straight for there once you've got your trolley lisa and alana thank you very much for chewing the fat with me Lisa and Alana have written a book called, you guessed it, The Gut Stuff. And it's well worth a read because it goes into all sorts like the relationship your gut has with alcohol, with exercise, and with stress. And if you're a fan of books about foodie stuff, you can pop mine on your reading list too. It's called Why Calories Don't Count. And there'll be a link in the show notes to the hard copy and the audiobook. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're back here next time where I'll be chewing the fat with some more twins. It's Chris and Zan Ventulican. The human body has a homeostatic mechanism for weight, right? Like we, you, we maintain our temperature, we maintain our water concentration, our salt balance on an ultra-processed diet because of the flavorings, because of the softness, because of the emulsifiers. They subvert all the normal signals, the hormonal signals that tell us to stop eating and that we've had enough. Until then, a huge thank you to Lisa and Alana McFarlane, to my producer Anushka Tate for Orion Publishing Limited, and to you for joining me. I look forward to catching up next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.